so very much for your great love for us and that miracle power is available in you. Um, I thank you that we can come to you believing that you are who you said you are. And so as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you would help us to understand what we read, help us to apply it, uh, let it be life to us today, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, you, by now, most of you would be aware of the fact that we like to talk about things within context. And so before we turn to our theme and our scripture today, I want to do something a little bit different today and talk briefly about the context of the themes that we have looked at so far this year. And um, as you can see, you know, number of people out of town, some people in hospital are sick today. Um, you you can pull up on any smartphone on your web browser or any podcast, most podcast apps, uh, City Harbor Church, and listen to Sundays that you miss. And I, I highly recommend it. Last Sunday was awesome. And uh, it's the way that we as a family can have context in our conversation with each other, the way we can grow together. So here's some themes that we have looked at so far in this calendar year. And obviously we started, as we do every year, with three weeks of prayer and fasting, uh, which with our first focus, where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. But then our big themes so far this year have been along the lines of our core values as a church. For City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus, we took up a series on what it means to be a safe place. And we lifted that content from the scriptures, as we always do. And in talking about what it means to be a safe place, we hit on some of the themes that we also talked about later in the year. Praying for others, love, love that comes out of a relationship with God, etc. One of the ways that we contrast God's love, taking a focus uh, from the, the Greek word agape in contrast to kind of human or carnal love, is um, lust gets uh, or takes, love love gives. And so the love gives message or hashtag, if you will, has been a major theme for us as a church. It's something that we talk about regularly. It's something that is a major part of what we are. And it, over the course of the year, as we unpack those, we have as we often do, come back to the basics of salvation. We've talked about healing. We've talked about worship. We've talked about prayer. We've had uh, a, multiple Sundays um, this year where we've, we've talked about those themes. And in contrast to previous years, we've spent more time this year on the topics that you see there on that line. And we had different couples in the church co-teach core value messages for us in as a church. And... Um, so that include uh, Justin and Becky talking about fasting, unpacking a Bible study about fasting. That included Ben and Kristen that are on vacation um, talking about prayer. Um, it, it included Joe and Anna talking about courageous generosity, um, which is a major value for us as a church, which is to say that we believe that God has already given us his best, and so we can choose to live on less with our time, our energy, and our money. That's courageous generosity. We've taken a number of weeks to walk through Acts chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5 because we believe that they inform us as a group of believers. And as is often the case, one of our themes has been Jesus. We keep coming back to Jesus, a focus on Jesus. Jesus that shows us God's love for us. And we've talked about what that means and what our response should be. What should our response to be? to Jesus and God's love for us. So that's been the themes that we've been on so far. Today we're going to turn towards the back of your Bible 
a little book called James. It's a letter from James. It's you got Revelation, that's the scary book at the back, and then you got first, second, and third John, and then Peter's stuff is in there, and then James is right before Peter. I think he might like that because often Peter was listed first. Peter, James, and John. So then we got James. Now, uh, so we're going to turn to James chapter 5. You see the passage um, on your screen. Uh, we're going to read verses 13 through 20. That's um, James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. After the, the stories that we read in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, James was the pastor of that church. And as you can imagine, a bulk of that church were Hebrews. They were Jewish uh, people, what we would call Messianic Jews, people that were Jewish by birth and had turned to Christ as their salvation. And so James writes this letter as persecution has come to the church and people have been spread out. Some people left Jerusalem. He writes this letter in particular to Hebrew believers in Jesus. So the context of this letter is for people that are saved, people that have been born again, people that are following Jesus, so much so that they're willing to make life changes because they look to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so just before this passage, James has said, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. That was in verse 7. Now we pick up in verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, I felt it important to read that passage together because it's in a context of a conversation. And in rehearsing some of our themes from earlier this year, we've also talked about some of the context that they would have had. They would have had those themes that we've discussed in this calendar year. They would have had that same context. Now, this passage of scripture talks specifically about healing and not just um, healing and helping you feel better emotionally or a healing in your spirit or your character or changing your, your carnal appetite so that you're able to overcome bad habits, but specifically this passage is talking about physical healing. So if you're taking notes today and healing is what we're talking about, healing is here. In particular, healing is here, physical healing miracles. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, it's important for us to bear in mind that this passage and getting prayer, getting anointed uh, with oil by leaders in the church is the context of Jesus is our focus. In Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. And in Jesus, we are made right and ultimately redeemed. That's important. Okay, that's an important setup. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one who makes a way for this to be possible. So that's an important thing. Then obviously we get this, this depiction of what you should do. And I just kind of bullet pointed it like this that you see on the screen. Do you have a need? Ask. 
Now, throughout Scripture, we have multiple templates where we are told to ask. We actually don't have any templates or examples where we're told to sit by ourselves alone and have a pity party. Pastor Ben, that doesn't sound nice. I know, I know, I know. But it's helpful to you to understand that if you have a need, you should ask. That's what we are instructed to do. If you have a need, you should ask. And what we see clearly is that it's God provides, right? What we don't see is James, James doesn't say, I will heal you because I'm better than Peter. James, he might have wanted to say that, but he didn't say that. That one's the loud mouth. I'm the one that could do miracles. No, he didn't say that. He said, it's God who provides these healing miracles. And what we see in the context of the scripture, if you're paying attention, is that it's within the context of us serving each other. That's why we bring food to each other. We help each other. We take Ronald Peanut M&Ms. We serve each other, right? Now, what we also see is that there is faith that is shown by our prayer in asking for healing miracles. Now, we're not going to turn to the paper I handed you just yet, but it's something that I definitely want you to take home. I want to share a couple of stories with you, then we're going to go back to the scripture. Everyone doing okay? All right, so this is uh, a few folks from one of our network churches, and they just posted uh, this story. A woman in our church had a severe brain tumor, cancerous. She had come to a service and we prayed for her. She felt heat run through her body. Shortly after, she fell into a coma and the doctor said the tumor was growing and was fatal. We visited her ICU room and prayed. We put praise music on and recorded healing scriptures and put played them on repeat. The next morning, her husband called me all excited and said, come here. So I went to the hospital and there she was sitting up in a chair. The doctors did tests and reported the tumor and all signs of cancer were gone. Documented medical miracle. Now, you may or may not know this, but by the time I was 16, I'd had four concussions, broken both arms twice. It's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. The last time when I was 16, I dislocated and broke this elbow really badly. And uh, they wanted to keep me overnight in the hospital, maybe because they didn't do a very good job of resetting it. We'll just leave that for another day. When they got around to finally giving me some pain medication and taking uh, x-rays again for the third time after they had tried to reset it, they found a chip, a bone chip the size of a quarter in the joint. And they thought, list like... I had pa- actually had passed out a couple times, which is unusual for me. And I had a concussion, which, by the way, they didn't know because they didn't even ask me any questions about that back then, right? I, I had knocked out, did not, I do not recall how the accident happened to this day, right? So they said, well, we're going to keep you overnight and probably do surgery to remove that chip in the morning. And, of course, said, woke me up every hour, and I, I had lost feeling right here, right? And so... Woke me up the next morning, took x-rays again, couldn't find the chip. Maybe it went to my head, I'm not sure. <laughs> After months of therapy, I could only open my arm to here. After months. A lot of scar tissue, and they said, that's probably going to be all the range of motion you're going to have for the rest of your life. I went and got prayer, and I have full range of motion. 
Did you see that? Like there, there, there. I just I enjoy doing it. I had a friend uh, who was born the night before I was in the same hospital. Our mom shared the same recovery room. We were in the same church. We were friends all our lives. And um, he was severely allergic to fish and poultry. Even if he eat, uh, even if he would eat beef cooked on the same grill as chicken or poultry, he'd get a, a severe allergic reaction. Well, he had a grandfather who was a Bible teacher who wrote extensively about healing. And um, we were in our 20s. Um, this is after college. And he got a hold of some of his grandfather's writings. And he started to read and do Bible studies on healing. And he came to a point one weekend of being convinced that God was going to heal him. He went to church. He prayed. Didn't have anybody lay hands on him. He asked God to heal him. And he went out and had chicken for lunch and never had another reaction. I'm not suggesting that you do it. I'm just telling you what happened. Okay? (laughs) Joe and Anna, Rebecca and I were in the same church for a while. And in that church, there was a young man who, when he was a boy in elementary school, had ADHD and other conditions that were so severe that the Commonwealth of Virginia paid experts to fly in and study him. The first study was three weeks long. Government doesn't pay for stuff like that. Um hardly ever. At the end of the study of this young man, they determined he was the worst case that they had ever seen. He only on severe medication could he tie his shoes. This young man came to believe that God could heal him. In a worship service, he went up to the front, he raised his hands, he prayed, no one laid hands on him. Now we're looking at a scripture where we're suggesting the laying on of hands, so don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you the story. He raised his hands in worship and was instantly changed. Was instantly better. And he still had some of the effects of the developmental difficulties that he he went through. But he could speak. He still had a little bit of a stutter, but they slowly ramped down, ramped down his medication. And he, he, this kid could rap. Like he was, right Joe? This kid's ridiculous. Like ridiculous rapper. And uh, he was he was kind of... A, I took him to New York City with some other uh, people. I don't have a whole lot of time for this story, but he was incredibly awkward socially. He's probably not going to hear this, right? And we were on the streets of Harlem, and he's, you know, so excited to meet people and talk to people, and they're just like, man, I don't know about this kid, just this skinny, very skinny little young man, which is kind of funny because his brother's a bodybuilder. Uh, but... And, but then he would start to rap and it would be like, yo, this kid's got it, right? This, God did a miracle in his mind. This picture here, two of my friends are in the picture on the right. The, the guy that you see in the middle is the little boy on the, the cover of the book called A Child Named Victor. Victor was a year older than me, grew up in my neighborhood. Victor had epilepsy, uh, asthma, and severe ADD, ADHD. And this book, which you can still get a copy of, documents the medical miracle that God did in his life, but also the combination of miracles and medicine. I believe that God has given us the ability to discover things, and most medicines are derivative of a plant material or a mineral. God gave us the ability. There are medical things, and there are things like 
you know, you're supposed to make, take in more money to your account than you spend. Well, it's kind of the same thing with calories, right? You're supposed to take in less than your, your, you know, anyway. So there's certain things about healthy living that are very important to us. So, for example, here's a book by, uh, one of my two godfathers called Faith for Healing, Wisdom for Health. Okay? Dr. Wendell Smith, uh, the father of Judah Smith, the city church out in, uh, Seattle. And this talks about both the wisdom of living in a healthy lifestyle and, and the use, use of medicine and miraculous healing that God can do. Some of you should be writing this down because I'm not giving you all a copy, right? <laughs> Faith for healing, wisdom for health. And that's a part, that's a part of Victor's story. Now, Victor's story also came, this is a combination of Pastor Wendell and my childhood pastor, Dick Iverson, called I Am the Lord That Healeth Thee, which is a Bible study about healing, healing miracles in the scripture. Uh, something that I think that you should read, something that Victor read, something that David read. The picture there on the right, the guy on the right is David Kiergaard. David, David's parents were Vern and Judy. Vern were, and Judy were always volunteering in the church. Vern and Judy are very much children of the 50s. And, and Vern had been a, a compulsive a, a smoker, a chain smoker. He stopped and his lungs were deteriorating and the, the doctors videoed his lungs and they looked terrible, right? Some of you have had a health class. You've seen these pictures, like terrible, black, horrible. David's father, Vern, was prayed for. He felt a change. His symptoms changed. They videoed his lungs again and the doctor said they were as pink as a newborn's. You tell me, because the doctors didn't do anything. We serve a God of miracles, a God who can do physical healing miracles. That's good, Pastor Ben. How many of you here have received, experienced, or witnessed a physical healing miracle? All right. There's your sign. I want to say, make a few comments, and I, this, what's on the screen in part is on your paper. I want to bring a little bit of clarification, and we're going to turn to the scripture. We believe that God is real. He is alive. He is willing and able to heal you. Every day, God chooses to heal people regardless of their level of faith in Him or their lifestyle. You don't have to have it all together to receive his healing, but faith does help. Now, earlier in this year, we have, at this part of the year, we have unpacked not most, but almost half of the healing stories in the New Testament. Did you know that? It was like Novocaine, you didn't even know was happening this year. And one of the things that we saw in some of those healing miracle stories is that not everybody was a believer in Jesus. In fact, not everybody even said thank you. So can God do a healing miracle for your nasty Uncle Bob who's not a believer in Jesus? Yes, he can. Do you need to be physically present? No, you don't. Can you pray for a healing miracle in the future? Yes, you can. If you read the Bible and you pay attention to the details of the stories, you will walk away with some context that says it's not about who's good. It's not about who's bad. 
We learned something from the story of Job. And even people came to Jesus and they talked about a crisis that had happened. A tower had fallen and had killed some people. And they asked him, were those people killed because they were sinful? And he said, what business is of that of yours? You need to get right with God yourself. That's so when we make it about, oh, I need to live better so that I can get my miracle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think God will heal Uncle Bob. (laughs) He's not baby stepping. No, 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 no. God can heal whomever he chooses to heal whenever he chooses to heal them. Now, we do believe that faith does help, right? We're going to talk about what that means in a moment. I want to give you a couple of other words of caution. Now, we, in the last two weeks, have talked specifically about what we believe about healing because we are standing with our brother Ronald and praying for a miracle in his body, yeah? And others. We're praying for Uncle Jay, who's not doing so well this morning, and others. We believe and we can pray for miracles. But what I've seen in Ronald is an unbelievable amount of peace and an unbelievable amount of faith. He wants God to do a miracle, and yet he's ready to go to heaven if that's God's choice. That should not be a cop-out, a weak approach to God. Are you with me? We shouldn't pray... God, according to your will, in a way that's weak, where we don't believe that God can do it, where we're not truly asking God to do it, where we're not engaging our faith, where we're not imploring God to do it, right? Saying, according to your will, can become, when you are discouraged, can become a cop-out. Can become, I don't really think it's going to happen. The kind of faith that Scripture encourages us to have includes describing to God what you want to see. Now, on the other side of this coin, it does not mean that we order God around. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the year in a message called Miracle or Magic. God is not our genie in a lamp. He's not our slave. He's not our child. He's not our employee. We don't tell God what to do. And when we pray for healing... It's not spiritual warfare and the kind of thing where you're, you gotta fight. It's God that does the miracle. It's God that does the heavy lifting. Now, I mean, shout if you want to, I mean, you guys know I shout sometimes and get excited. But the person you're praying for shouldn't feel like you're angry. I mean, let's encourage them with some peace and some joy in the process. You can be frustrated and upset that the disease is there, and God is too. Because disease is a part of the curse of sin. It's a result, Adam and Eve, oops, they did it again, right? The result of sin included disease. God allows it, God has a purpose in it, and yet God likes to do miracles. But if the miracle was an everyday, every person, constant thing, it wouldn't be a miracle anymore, would it? Hello? If Adam and Eve were still walking this earth, don't you think everybody would be a Jesus follower? If Jesus was still walking this earth, if James himself were here to give this message better than I could, it would take our free will out of the equation. So until Jesus returns, some of us must die. Pretty much all of us except people like Enoch who God just takes. Right? I wouldn't mind that myself, but... Right? 
Even in our death and in our suffering, there is purpose. Showed you two books, I'll show you two more. Where is God when it hurts? Call yourself a Jesus follower. At some point, you need to read this book. Philip Yancey, the medical background, there's a lot of great stuff about medicine and healing. But where is God when it hurts? Because God doesn't always do what we want him to do. Are you with me? Walking with God through pain and suffering. Yeah. Let me tell you something. At some point in your life, you're going to experience pain and suffering. It's better to read a book like this when you're not. It's not a lack of faith to prepare ourselves for pain and suffering. It's not a lack of faith to prepare ourselves for death. It's not a lack of faith. We should ask ourselves, what's the worst that could happen? Because only when we come to a bedrock of faith where we truly believe that out of the chaos of this world, I can be okay because Jesus is enough. That's where real strength is. That's where real peace is. That's where real faith to pray for the miracle is. Are you with me? Job said to God, said about God, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I have found God do more miracles in that, in the face of that kind of childlike faith. The childlike faith that says, God, if I suffer and die, you are good. And God, if you do a miracle, you are good. Boom! God shows up. God responds to a childlike faith. That's what he responds to. Let's get some, a little bit more scripture today. Here are three thoughts before we turn to the scripture. Here's why I like praying the Bible, okay? Here's why I like praying the Bible. First, hearing the word initiates faith. Second, speaking the word activates faith. Third, doing the word demonstrates faith. Faith is seen as its actions. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Right? Hearing the word initiates faith. Speaking the word activates faith. Doing the word demonstrates faith. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. There is a healing power in the scripture. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Here on this earth, our bodies can experience a regeneration, a healing, a strengthening from Jesus that we will ultimately know either when we die or when he returns. Uh, Psalm 103, 2 and 3. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Someday, whether here now and in miracles or when you are in heaven, all of your diseases will be healed. Psalm 30, verse 2. Lord, my God, I cry to you for help and you restored my health. Exodus 15, 26. God speaking, describing Himself. I am the Lord 
who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. And on your paper, Isaiah 53. On the bottom of the page it says, Praying the Bible builds faith. Isaiah 53, verses 3-5. through Messianic prophecy talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. In Jesus, there is healing power. I'll try again. In Jesus, there is healing power. Get a hold of a scripture, memorize it, and pray it. Hearing the word initiates faith. Speaking the word activates faith. Doing the word demonstrates faith. Praying the Bible, what does it do? Praying the Bible changes your heart. It changes your perspective. You pray the Bible, you hear yourself pray those words, you get a perspective of just how big God is, how great God is, and how small in comparison our challenges are. We get praying the Bible, I'll get a perspective that this suffering, this sorrow is temporary. In perspective with all of eternity, this is, this is temporary. Any suffering that we face here. Praying the Bible will activate your faith. And oftentimes what happens is when you start, you don't feel it. Anyone ever been there? You start, you don't feel it. But you begin to pray the scripture and your faith, your spirit gets engaged because God's word is true. God's word is alive. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus is the voice of God. You engage the word. You speak the word. And your spirit is going to respond. It activates your faith. Praying the Bible develops your confidence in God's word and God's character. As you you begin to see answers to prayer in scripture, in history, in hearing other people's stories, in your own life, You're going to build confidence in God's Word and His character. Faith is when I take a step of action that shows that I believe that because God said it, it's true and He will do it. That's what that means. That's what it looks like. That's why it takes on power. Now, this, This can include carnal issues and sin issues that get in the way and distract us from this kind of relationship with God. Because at the end of the day, whether it's a lust issue or whether it's a greed issue or a gossip issue or something else, at the end of the day, when we take, when we do something sinful, we are showing that we don't actually believe that God can fulfill our desires in a way that we agree with. So at some point when you come to repentance of sin, it includes some personal trust. I can believe that God is who He said He is. I can believe that whatever it is that I'm desiring, if there's something healthy in it, that God can satisfy that desire. 
That was good, Pastor Ben. That was, that was, ooh, that was. Now, how should we then pray? How should we pray? We should pray with patience. Oh, we don't like that word, do we? Oh, we don't like that word. <laughs> no. There, there was a, a psychological study done with a group of kids, long-term study, and started off, and they put the kid in a room with a researcher, and the researcher said, okay, so I have a marshmallow, and I'm going to put this marshmallow on the table, and you can take this marshmallow right away, but I'm going to leave before you decide, and I'm going to come back in, I forget how much time it was, a minute, and if the marshmallow is still there when I come back, you're going to get a second treat as well. And so they did this with a bunch of kids. And you can imagine, some of us already are like, man, I'm grabbing that marshmallow, right? Right? So like, you just feel that, right? That's it's like, I'm grabbing that marshmallow. I'm not waiting for the second treat. I don't know if the second treat's one of those little peanuts that people get on Halloween. You know, that should be a doorstop. That shouldn't be a candy. <laughs> right? Here's what they found. The kids who waited, this is no judgment on anybody in the room who would have grabbed the first marshmallow. The kids who waited to get the second treat had a higher percentage of higher IQ, higher SAT scores, were less likely for drug addiction, were more likely to be literate, were more likely to be employed, were more likely to be happily married and enjoying their home and their city. There is something in us that needs to grow up and mature that includes delayed satisfaction. There is something godly about self-control. So as much as we don't like to hear the word patience, patience is what is required. It's interesting, If how does Jesus follow up the Lord's Prayer? with a parable about patience. It's a parable about patience and it's a parable about persistence in our request of God. Patience and persistence. How do we pray? We pray with patience. We pray with persistence. Now, I also want to encourage you, as you see on the screen, to pray practical prayers and specific prayers. If your prayer is very generic, is your request of God is very generic, how are you going to know if God answers it? Now this encouragement, a couple of times in my life has been like news to me. Oh, okay. But what I found is that after, when I did that, and I've done that specifically, God, this is what we need at this point, in this way, at this time. I saw God respond. And my faith as a result was, whoa! Right? There's an excitement there. There's a change there. And then those that were around me on that project, in that situation, they're encouraged. Their faith is encouraged as well. Because I say, look, on this day, I prayed this prayer with this specifics. Pray with specifics. And pray practically. Now that includes you praying, God, what do you want me to do to move in the direction of this prayer request being answered. It's, we start in our early walk with God with just praying, God, I don't like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right? 
Jesus talks about that God loves little children. God, bring the children unto me. There's no condemnation. There's no looking down on a childlike faith. But us growing as people should include us developing from just being, God, I don't like that. To God, I don't like that. Would you do something about that? To God, I don't like that. Would you do something about that that looks like this? And God, what would you have me to do in the meantime? So some of us have some big prayer requests. So we had we had somebody in our small group for a while who was praying that they would win the lottery. And I said, all right, we'll pray for that. What would you do if you won? What are you doing to prepare to win? We serve a God who is also very practical. <laughs> some of you are still tripping on that. <laughs> it's okay to say, God... What do you want me to do today? Are you with me? And I don't want to pray that. I'm afraid of what God might say. <laughs> Ever felt that way before? Yeah. Well, is God a loving father? Is God compassionate? Is God slow to anger? Overflowing in love, overflowing in grace, overflowing in mercy? That's the way he describes himself. Well, if I believe that God is full of love... Then I can pray, God, what do you want me to do? Now, I know that for us in this room, we experience disappointment. We see disease, we see suffering, we see death. And what can happen is your faith can be bruised. You know what it's like with a bruise, you don't want it to be touched. Right? So... I understand that for some of us, even just talking about physical healing miracles is painful. And this has been a painful time for you this morning. Listen, I love you. I understand that. I've experienced that myself. I still experience it. It still happens to me. I still get very disappointed when I don't see God do what I would like for him to do. That is a part of my life. I have times where I lose sleep in praying over a request. I have times where I feel physically sick over the way in which I'm emotionally distraught about a prayer request, about a request for a healing miracle. I experience discouragement. I go through times where I don't want to pray for miracles anymore when it doesn't happen. I have experienced that too. But I have found that when I go to God and I'm honest with God, and I say, God, I'm discouraged, that God can come and heal the discouragement. It's okay to say, like the disciples said, Lord, we believe, help us in our unbelief. God wants you to be honest. Jesus said, bring your cares, right? We should come to God and say, God, I'm discouraged that this... Be honest. Describe it. Be explicit. Be specific. Be detailed. What is it that happened that discouraged you? What was the prayer request that didn't come through? Who was the person that passed? Bring it to the Lord. Don't sit alone with it and hold it tight. There's no healing there. One translation of a passage from Jeremiah that we quote in Celebrate Recovery says this, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. God never wastes a hurt. God wants to bring strength out of you. God wants you to see healing miracles. 
Come to Him and say, Lord, would you heal my heart? Lord, would you heal my faith? Chris, will you come and play the keyboard, please? So, pray with patience, with persistence, with practical requests that are specific. I want to pray first for bruised faith, for hurt, for discouragement. Is that okay? I think if we're not honest about these disappointments, these discouragements, then this isn't a safe place for us to find and follow Jesus. Are you with me? You've you got to be able to come in here and say, hey, I'm discouraged, and not think that whoever you say it to is just going to verbally beat you up. Are you with me? You live a little life and all of us experience discouragement. So, I'm going to pray. And you can respond in, in, in whatever way you want to just receive this prayer of healing in your faith. Okay? You can lift a hand. You can respond in whatever way. But if that's not you today, will you just agree with me in prayer as we pray? I think most of us have experienced this at some time. And what I believe is that God wants your spirit to be healed, your faith to be healed. Lord, we come to you honestly today. And we say, God, when we don't see miracles, it hurts. We come to you today and we say, Lord, when we see a loved one diseased and dying, it's painful. It hurts. It's discouraging. It's depressing. We go through anger. We go through disappointment. We go through discouragement. God, today, some of us are feeling angry with you for what you did not do. Some of us are feeling discouraged by multiple requests that we didn't see fulfilled. And we're coming to you today and we're saying, Lord, would you heal us in our spirits? Forgive us for where we've held on to things that we shouldn't, but God, please heal us. Heal us in our spirit. Lord, make us new. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. God, heal us in our spirits. Heal us in our souls, Lord. Our minds, our thoughts, make new our thoughts. Heal us in our hearts, our attitudes, Lord, where we feel pain. Lord, bring healing, Lord, to our attitudes and our hearts, Lord God. Lord, please bring healing in our decision-making, Lord. Help us to choose to not isolate, to not be dishonest or fake, but help us to be honest and to walk this out in community. Help us to choose to follow you honestly, to continue to set these things at your feet and to not pick them back up again, but God, to ask you to heal us, to ask you to help us and to follow those steps of recovery, not based on our own terms, but based on your terms, God, that we would walk out a healing process with you. God, would you heal us in our spirits? Heal our faith. Bring healing to where there are bruises. And help us, help us to choose to come to you with these requests for miracles of physical healing. And so God, today we do. We come to you and we ask for miracles of physical healing today. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would heal Charlotte and her knee. 
Lord, that's hurt. Lord, we ask that you would visit Uncle Jay in the hospital this morning, that you do a creative miracle in his body, that you'd lift him up with strength again. God, we ask that you would do a miracle for those in this church. There's a, a chemical imbalance, a hormonal imbalance that is causing mental and emotional challenges. Lord, we ask that you would visit our brother Ronald in hospice this morning, that you would do a creative miracle in his body of new lung tissue and driving out infection and inflammation and cancer from other areas of his body and his bloodstream. Would you raise him up with a healing miracle with strength and to be raised to life again, to be able to serve you longer on this earth. All those that we know, let there be healing miracles. Lord, I pray. I thank you, Lord. We saw a healing miracle in baby Amelie who was having to wear a a brace, Lord, on her hip, Lord, that you've done a miracle of natural development, of change that the doctors are baffled by. Lord, I thank you. You, you healed Ray's earache. You've healed so many other people of things. Lord, we have seen it. We believe it. God, I ask that you would help us to pray with patient, persistence, with specifics, being practical and asking you what you would have us do. Help us, I ask today, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, all right, we have time. Who wants to receive prayer for physical healing miracle? Okay, ladies, won't you stand? I have some of the women of the church just surround Erica and Chiquetta. Erica's got knee issues that abound. Chiquetta has long-term issues in a couple different systems of her body, pain and exhaustion and multiple issues. All right, ladies, you can feel free to lead out in prayer around them. Go right ahead. Let's pray for them.